Thank you for listening to the Lucy Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about us or to find other sermons and resources from us, visit our website at lucybaptist.com. Can you hear me? All right. As uh, Jonathan said, we've been preaching to a camera, singing to a camera for the last couple of months. <coughs> so today we're preaching to cars. But, but we see you out there, and we're glad you're here. We appreciate your, your, uh, your, your participating this morning, and those who are uh, receiving the, the service on the live stream, we welcome you as well. We do um, welcome some guests this morning. Uh, good to have our neighbors, uh, Brother Miss George uh, Jackson. Uh, Brother George grew up here in Lucy. He's been a pastor for a number of years, and uh, now back in Lucy, and, and my dear neighbor and friend. Glad he's here. I think that may be Donna Jeffcoat right over there, and uh, we're glad she's here, and any others, and church family, Lucy family, we're glad you're here. We've been in a... In a a series of messages in the book of 1 Corinthians. So uh, with your Bibles there, uh, we invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Hunter preached last Sunday from 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, and I'm going to pick up this morning in verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we'll pick up where we left off. If you ask today, is this a Mother's Day message? My answer would be yes. Because it's Mother's Day, and I'm preaching a message. Amen? Uh, so uh, I do, while it's not a, a message specifically geared to mothers, it is a message that will be a blessing to mothers, to fathers, uh, to people who've never been married or don't have children, to children who know Christ, and we trust those who don't know Christ will hear the message of the gospel and respond. So I trust in that way it will be a blessing to you as we continue in this series in the book of 1 Corinthians. We entitled the series, The Gospel-Shaped Church, because we believe the message of uh, 1 Corinthians that was directed to a church that had some serious issues, some spiritual health issues, that the gospel was the answer to their health issues and becoming a gospel-shaped church. And I believe you'll see that in this passage we're reading today as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we'll pick up with verse number 6 and read through the end of the chapter. Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Spirit, says, Yet among the mature, you have, if you have the King James translation, it says, Among the perfect, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and, and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. 
For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And from this passage today, I'll bring a message I've entitled, United in God's Wisdom. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We come in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you as we look around, we see the evidence of your great power, your glory, as manifested in the splendor of creation. So we thank you for this beautiful day. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Christ. Thank you for each one who's come, for each one who's listening and will listen to this message. Father, we thank you for the Spirit of God. Even as we've read today about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we praise you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in inspiring the Word of God. Lord, of enabling us to proclaim the Word of God and, Lord, for listeners to receive the illumination of the Spirit, how we praise you for this wonderful blessing and provision of the indwelling Holy Spirit, but also upon those who are not yet believers, for those who would be described in this passage as the natural man, the natural person, the one who has not responded to the Spirit of God. Would you please bring conviction, repentance, and faith upon any listener today who has not yet responded to the grace of God in repentance and faith? Lord, be glorified in this time together. May we receive the truth you have for us. Lord, I pray for special enabling and power, Lord, as I seek to proclaim this passage. And again, Lord, that you would give me insight even as I preach today upon this word. We love you, praise you, and thank you. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. Amen. Scripture uses various terms to describe people and to distinguish between those who are Christ followers and those who are not, who are unbelievers. For example, Jesus told the story of two men, one foolish and one wise. The wise man, Jesus said, built his house upon the rock. He said the rains came, the the floods uh, rose up, the winds blew, beat against that house, and he said... Uh, as, as, but because this house was built upon the rock, the house stood. Jesus said this man represents those who hear his word and obey his word. He said the foolish man, on the other hand, built his house on the sand. When the, the rains fell and the floods came and the wind beat against that house, he said the house fell and great was its all. Again, this represents, Jesus said, everyone who would hear the word of God, his word, and yet would not do it, would not obey, would not respond in obedience to 
the Word of God. So Jesus distinguished people between those who are wise and those who are foolish, and specifically in the way in which they responded to the Word of God. In this passage, we see today another distinguishment of, of people. Jesus, uh, the Word of God here, Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, describes people as either being spiritual people, those who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, or those who are the, the one who is called the natural man, the natural person, that person who has not been indwelt by the Spirit of God. And he therefore describes their response as well to the Word of God. Now we said Paul is addressing the church at Corinth, and he's addressing these spiritual issues, uh, health issues, in the life of the church at Corinth. And the first one he deals with is the issue of division. And really from early in the chapter 1 until now, and through chapter 4, he is continuing to deal with this serious matter of division. A problem that was true in the church of Corinth and other churches in this day and has been throughout the history of the church. It's still a tremendous issue and problem even in churches uh, today. And, and the problem was, as we see, and we saw as Hunter preached it last week, this church, and we've seen the church was divided around personalities, around different men uh, that, uh, that, they, uh, that appealed to them, perhaps in the way in which they spoke and the way in which they preached. And, and uh, even last week, as we saw that, that contrast, as Paul said, he did not come to them with, with men's wisdom. And rather, he came uh, preaching the gospel of the crucified and risen Christ, which he said is the wisdom of God. And in our text today, he makes clear that we proclaim God's wisdom. God's wisdom is communicated through the gospel. It is revealed by the Holy Spirit, but it is understood only by those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, by those that we see here are called the spiritual man, the spiritual person. So I want you to look with me at those three truths that we see here in this passage concerning God's wisdom which unites us as the church. First of all, God's wisdom is communicated through the gospel. I believe we see this in verses 6 through 8. And right in the beginning there in verse 6, he said, uh, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Again, he's showing them that while, while we do not uh, believe that the wisdom of man st will stand, that God's wisdom is certainly going to stand. And we do impart or communicate God's wisdom. He said, among the mature, as I mentioned, King James Version translates that perfect. Obviously, he isn't speaking of perfect in the sense of sinless or uh, have, having arrived in their spiritual growth or likeness to Christ. This word mature can also be translated complete. And while not all believers are uh, mature at the same level in their relationship with Christ, all believers are complete in Christ. Many scholars, therefore, believe that he is not referring to a special level of maturity here, but to 
all believers who are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because one thing that is true of us as believers, that when we are indwelt by the Spirit of Christ, as we'll see more in this passage, we are therefore able, enabled, to receive the truth of the gospel, gospel truth. So he specifies in this passage, in these verses, what is wisdom and what is not wisdom. He says, first, it is not worldly wisdom. It is not the wisdom of the rulers of this age. Not everyone agrees on who these rulers are. Some believe that he's talking about the spiritual wickedness in high places, demonic rulers. But again, we we go on to see, I believe, evidence that he's referring here to rulers of this day, specifically the rulers who were in in charge at the time of Jesus' death, and both political rulers as well as spiritual rulers. He said they are doomed to pass away. And that is true, of course, of all people. Uh, but specifically, speaking of their condemnation here and of the wisdom that is passing, um, the, the world's wisdom is constantly changing. We're living in a, a world in which the wisdom of this world uh, tells us all kinds of things. It says that, that life uh, can be snuffed out in a, in a mother's womb, that it is not uh, really life or it doesn't really matter. It, uh, it, the wisdom of this world says today that a, person, uh, a person's gender is determined by himself, not by the way in which God created him. That is the world's wisdom that is passing away. We refer to that more as insanity rather than wisdom, because it's contrary to the Word of God. But God's wisdom is not new. In fact, it says it was decreed before the ages for our glory. It was, a, it was secret, it was, a hit, it was hidden, a mystery. And now he tells us that in the gospel, that mystery has been made known. It has been revealed. It has been communicated. So again, God's wisdom is communicated through the gospel. And again, when we respond to the gospel by the work of God's Spirit in our hearts, uh, bringing that about as we've seen through that call that God issues to us, then that results in repentance and faith. Whoops, there it goes. <laughs> Becca's going to help me out. Karen told me this morning, she said, now you need to get that weight you have that sits on top of your, your notes. And then the other thing she said was you should read over your notes enough so you don't have to, to uh, look at them. And so you see how, why men, it's so important that we listen to our wives, right? Thank you, Becca. Uh, so... Um, so he says in verse 8, the, the, the rulers of this age, which we said again are the religious and political rulers of this day, the Sanhedrin, the high priest, Pilate, uh, they didn't understand the gospel, did they? So what did they do? Well, as a result of that, the Bible says here uh, that they, they crucified the Lord of glory. They crucified the Lord of glory. Who is that? The Lord Jesus. They crucified him. This, of course, speaks of his, his deity, and the fact that he is God. They thought they had outsmarted Jesus. They thought by putting him to death, they had outsmarted him, by killing him. But in reality, God had outsmarted them, hadn't he? Because that resulted in the the plan of God. It resulted in God fulfilling his plan of the ages. So again, this wisdom that 
comes God's wisdom through the, through the gospel. We know when we read in John chapter 3 about a, one of the rulers, if you will, of the age, a man named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night, I think somewhat embarrassed, and not wanting to be seen perhaps with him, but he had questions. I believe God was stirring and dealing with him. And uh, as he came there that night, um, he didn't understand the gospel. He didn't understand the new birth. And Je- but Jesus said to him in John 3, verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So if the gospel of the cross today, dear friend, if the word of the, the message of the cross makes no sense to you, if you just like the, the Jews of this day, it's a stumbling block, or like the Greeks of this day, it's foolishness, it's folly, literally moronic to you, then our prayer for you is that you will be born again so that you'll be able to see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. You'll be, under, be able to understand the message of the cross. Our prayer for you is that God will open your blinded spiritual eyes, that the Bible says the God of this age has, has blinded you in order that you might be born again. You might come to recognize Jesus' death uh, for sinners, that he became our sinless substitute on that cross, was buried and rose again, is alive today. We celebrate him, and that you, therefore, by his grace, would turn from your sin, place your faith and trust in Christ, and in doing so, you will be born again. So again, we see that this uh, wisdom of God is communicated through the gospel, and it overcomes and, and is contradictory, if you will, to the, to the message of the, the rulers of this world, of the thinking of this world, the wisdom of men. Perhaps you've seen the commercial, the TV commercial re- recently from uh, F- the Pfizer uh, Pharmaceuticals. In this commercial, the narrator says, at a time when things are uncertain, we turn to the most certain thing there is, science. It says science can overcome diseases, create cures, and yes, beat pandemics. It has before, it will again. Some Pfizer scientists are holding a sign that says science will win. Well, as a believer, when we hear those kinds of things, our spiritual antenna goes up. Our, the red flags begin to wave. And we say, wait a minute, no. That is the wisdom of this world. We are very grateful, aren't we, for true science? We're grateful for, for uh, research. We're, we're, we are praying that, that a cure will be found for COVID-19. We're praying for uh, a, uh, a certainly a vaccine. But, dear friend, again, our hope is not in science. Neither is it in politicians or any political party. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Science is not the most certain thing there is. The Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the most certain thing there is. Amen? Amen. Amen. So then I want you to see second from this passage, beginning in verse 9. God's wisdom is revealed by the Holy Spirit. Again, in verse 9, look at verse 9. Maybe you memorized this and have it memorized from the, uh, from the King James Version like many uh, have growing up. 
But here in ESV says, but, but, what it, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, typically, we have, we have interpreted that as relating to heaven. And, of course, uh, we see in this passage that, uh, in reality, he isn't speaking about heaven. He isn't really so much speaking about future things. He's speaking about present things. He is saying to us here that what we, the way we normally learn through our ears and through our eyes and through our hearts and through our minds is not the way we come to know God's Word. It's not how we come to know God's truth. It's not discovered by human reasoning. But he says to us, he goes on to say, however, in verse 10, that while we didn't learn, all the, we didn't learn these truths through these human avenues that we normally do, that the way we have come to learn these, he said in verse 10, is that God has revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. So God has revealed these truths. He's, re- he's revealed the wisdom of God to us. How does he do that? He does that through the person of the Holy Spirit. We often refer to him as the third person in the Trinity, fully God, just as much God as God the Father, just as much God as God the Son, and this is a part of his work. The Lord Jesus said much about the Holy Spirit in his ministry. He promised him in John 14, 26. He said, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. How did he do that? He has done that through the Word of God, through the Bible, through the Scripture that God has given to us primarily. And we read in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. He says here in this passage that that the Holy Spirit was continually searching. Now, again, not that he didn't know, because he makes it clear that he does know. But the Spirit, he says, searches, continually searches everything. The deep things of God, revealing God's Word to us. Oh, the precious Word of God. The living Word of God. We saw that in Hebrews chapter 4. It is the living Word of God. Why? Because God breathed the Word of God. It's filled with His life. It is His Word. And the Spirit of God has given us His Word. And you know the beautiful thing about it, child of God, is not only the same Spirit of God that inspired the Word of God now lives inside of every one of His children. And that's what Jesus meant when He said He's the teacher. He will teach you all things. Certainly that was true for the apostles and the writers of Scripture. But, it, but now as our indwelling Holy Spirit, he gives illumination, he gives understanding to the Word of God. Notice verse 11. He says in verse 11, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So he's using that as an illustration. In other words, no one can 
know what another person is thinking. Right now, I, I can see you out there. I've had some experiences when I looked at people. Uh, I've had some experiences when I was preaching, Brother George, when I'd look out at someone and they'd have a stern, mean look on their face and maybe they'd be shaking their head. And, uh, you know, I've had, a, I had that early in my ministry. That kind of shook me up a little bit. I went to somebody one time and I said, you know, was I saying something that you were disagreeing with when I was preaching? And they said, oh, no, I had my mind on something else. So we can't tell what someone is thinking by looking at them. Now, wives, after so many years, they come real close, right? Moms, moms come real close. But even wives and moms can't always tell what we're thinking. You know who the expert on what you're thinking is? You. And you know the expert on your thoughts are you. Now, no one knows our heart like God knows our thoughts. But he's using this as an illustration that the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. How is that? Because, again, the Holy Spirit is God. He knows the thoughts of God. He knows the mind of God. And he has revealed the thoughts and mind of God through the Scripture, through the Word of God. Notice again verse 12. He says, Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Again, these deep things, the Spirit of God has been given to us. He wants us to understand. That doesn't mean he unloads it all on us at one time. It's a lifelong process. We never arrive. We'll see that more in a moment. But again, we have the author of Scripture living inside of us. He is our teacher. We seek him as we study the Word of God and get into the Word of God. Again, speaking about the Word, notice verse 13. Again, he says, And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. One fellow, James Boyer, said this could be understood using spirit-taught words to express spirit-given truth. Friend, this, this affirms the verbal inspiration of Scripture, the inerrancy and sufficiency of the Word of God. You can trust the Bible. Amen? It's God's Word. And as someone said, when the Bible speaks... God speaks, and he never stutters. Praise God for his precious word. Notice something back in verse 9 I didn't really say a lot about, but in that wonderful promise, uh, many believe taken from uh, various places in Isaiah, maybe Isaiah 64, not all uh, from one particular passage. But notice he says that the things that God has revealed, that he has prepared, is for who? Those who love him. Those who love him. Dear friend, the, the person that God wants to reveal his truth to, illumine his truth to based on the word of God and the wonderful deep things of God are those who love him. So a good question this morning to ask your heart is do you love him? Do you love him? The true child of God loves God. How do you know you love God? Well, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love him, you love the things he loves, and you hate the things he hates, and you love the word of God. You hunger for God's word. And you know what? When you come to the word of God with that kind of hunger, with that kind of love in your heart for the writer of the word of God, the author of scripture, wanting to know him better because that's how you come to know him better is through the word of God. Guess what, friend? You're not going to leave disappointed. God's going to meet with you there. God is going to speak to you there. 
for those who love him. Have you, have you shown your love to, to the Lord this morning? Did you show your love? You say, oh, pastor, uh, you know, we stayed up late last night and got up late this morning. Well, is it the practice of your life to spend time with Jesus? Do you have a place where you meet with him every day? Do you, you, you see, friend, you, you, you show people you love them by spending time with them. I know that's been a little harder during these days, but you know what? You don't have to worry about social distancing from, from the Lord Jesus. Amen? You can get in his presence every day in his word and in prayer and come to know him better. And if you truly love him, you want to spend time with him. But thirdly, thirdly, God's wisdom is understood only by those who are spiritual. Those last three verses are also tremendous verses in the Word of God. Notice again in verse 14, he describes this natural man. He said, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. In other words, he doesn't have a high appraisal of of the things of God, the things of the Spirit of God, the Word of God. He has no hunger for the Word of God. He has no desire for the things of God. He doesn't have spiritual reception. He cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. He can't understand the gospel or the truths of the Word of God. They are what? They're folly to him. They are moronic. They're foolishness to him. Why? Because, again, he hasn't had a nature change. He hasn't had the indwelling Spirit of God to come up and and take residence in him. One of the ways Jesus expressed this often in his ministry, when he would introduce something, he would say, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And, dear friend, if you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says you do not have spiritual ears to hear. The Bible also says without Christ, you are spiritually blind. You've been blinded by the God of this world. And that's why it takes a supernatural work of the Spirit of God to bring life to you, to bring spiritual sight to your eyes, to bring bring spiritual hearing to your ears. That's only possible by the Word of God. So therefore, you are natural. You're still, the Bible says, in your sin. Only believers who, in whom, who, who God is, has called himself are equipped with spiritual ears. Only believers have spiritual eyes. And therefore, when we as God's people go to the word of God, our uh, response should be that of the psalmist in 119.18 when he said, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Ask the Lord to give you spiritual insight to the Word of God. Because, again, we still have flesh, and we still struggle with those things that will hinder us from clearly seeing and hearing what God wants us to. Verse 15, he, uh, he goes on uh, to say, The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. The spiritual person judges or, again, is a- able to accurately discern or praise everything through the right understanding of Scripture. You've heard us talk about a biblical worldview. We see everything from the biblical worldview. God enables us by the Spirit of God to do that. And that's why things like a coronavirus, well, sure, that doesn't mean that People who are believers can't get sick. Of course we can. 
There have been many people who are on that, numbers of those who've died from coronavirus who were believers, no doubt. And there will be others who will contract coronavirus, and that's why we well, need to take it seriously. But nonetheless, we don't, it, our world doesn't fall apart, even if affected economically, because we know God's Word. God's Word speaks to every matter, either directly or in principle to everything we face. And therefore, we're able to, to discern that or appraise that from a biblical perspective. But, but notice what he said there in verse 15 when he said that we are uh, those who are believers, those who are, who are spiritual, are judged by no one. That doesn't mean there that a, that a believer is not criticized or judged by a, an unbeliever. In fact, just the opposite, of course, is true. But just as an unbeliever doesn't understand the things of God, the things of the Spirit of God, Neither does an unbeliever understand the child of God. He doesn't know how to appraise, if you will, the child of God. Doesn't make sense. It's crazy. And that's why, again, the world it shouldn't surprise us. And the result of that is persecution around the world and even our own country. So that should not surprise us. He prepares us for that. But then notice finally in verse 16. He says, For, he, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as... To instruct him. A good reference to the book of Job as uh, God asked Job that question. And the answer, of course, is no one, but, he says, we have the mind of Christ. As believers, the Bible teaches us that we now have the mind of Christ. And therefore, he enables us through the mind of Christ once again to discern, to understand the word of God. A good illustration of this in the New Testament was there in Luke chapter 24 when after the resurrection of Jesus, you remember the disciples who even though Jesus had told them that he was going to die, that he was going to be buried, that he was going to be raised again, it just didn't sink in. And so that's why after he died, they still they thought he was gone. And even when they, it was reported to them that Jesus had been resurrected, they still didn't believe it. Even after they saw him, they were still struggling. Oh, is it really him? They were still having a hard time. But notice what the Bible says there in Luke 24, 45. It says, then he opened their minds to believe that he was alive, to believe that he'd been resurrected. No. He opened their minds to understand the Scripture. You see, God always speaks through the Word of God. Jesus wants us to believe he's true because of the Word of God. Again, do you see how important the Word of God is to the life of the believer and even to the unbeliever? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, the Word of Christ, the Word of the Gospel. And so God has chosen that his Word be the tool that he used to bring about spiritual sight, to bring about understanding, and God wants us to believe, and, and he enables us through the mind of Christ, to see what he's doing. John Piper said this about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. He said, the work of the Spirit in helping us grasp the meaning of Christ's manual of, of operation, the Bible, is not to make study unnecessary, but to make us radically open to receive what our study turns up instead of twisting the text to justify our unwillingness to accept it. Let me just say a word to you of challenge here. He's not saying here having the mind of Christ, having the indwelling Holy Spirit means 
All we have to do is read it. We don't have to study it. We don't even really need preachers and teachers. We can do it on our own. No, God has chosen to give teachers to the body of Christ. He's chosen that we are to dig into the Word of God. We're to study diligently. 2 Timothy 2.15 says we're to rightly divide the Word of Truth. We're to be diligent to do that. He's not calling here for spiritual laziness. He says the Spirit of God, again, helps us to get us in a position so that, that we will submit ourselves to what the Word of God teaches us. And so I want to challenge you. I thought about a little saying. Uh, not everybody in this audience today will understand it, but I know some of you will. We used to have a product called Brill Cream. Uh, and the Brill Cream commercial was, a little dab will do you. Y'all remember that, some of you? That, that was a hair product that you put, put on your hair, for men, I think. And... Uh, you know, it's before days of jail or hairspray for men. So you use Brill Cream, and just a little dab will do you. You know, a whole lot of God's people have that attitude when it comes to the Word of God. You know, just a little dab will do you. I mean, just take a minute or two and read the Bible. Read that little devotional book. Nothing wrong with devotional books. But the attitude there is just a little dab will do you. But, folks, that should not be true of the child of God. When you think about this precious book that has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to give us understanding. We need to dig into the Word of God, ask Him for illumination, and again, demonstrate our love for Him by getting into His Word and letting His Word get into us. Friend, this calls for, again, total surrender and submission to the Spirit of God. And I believe when we have a, a people, a church with that kind of mindset, that's going to impact the unity of our church because we have one Lord and we have one word, we have one Holy Spirit, and we're moving in the same direction, seeking to hear from his word. You heard me mention D.L. Moody several weeks ago as an illustration of someone that was not highly educated, called as a shoe salesman, saved as a shoe salesman, called a ministry, and, and he slaughtered the king's English, not to put a premium on lack of education or poor grammar. But D.L. Moody, it was said of D.L. Moody, when a group was going to have him come uh, preach, a group of pastors wanted him to come and preach in their city, and one of the men wasn't in favor of it, and he said, does D.L. Moody have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And one, one person responded and said, no, D.L. Moody doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on D.L. Moody. When D.L. Moody was in England, he overheard a pastor or an evangelist, Evangelist Varney, who made this statement. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man who is fully yielded to him. When D.L. Moody heard that statement, he said, by God's help, I aim to be that man. And dear friend, I want to ask you this morning, will you be that man? Will you be that woman, that, that dad, that mom, that young person? Will you be Lucy Baptist Church? Will you be that church who is totally yielded to the Lord, totally yielded to the Word, goes before the open Bible every day to hear from God and let God speak to you? What could God do with a church and a group of people who would have that kind of heart and that kind of mindset? Will you be that people. As we prepare to close our service today, I want to 
I want to ask you to think with me from this passage, kind of the answer to the question of, of so what, so to speak, as we think about how we are united as a church through the wisdom of God. How is that possible? Well, first of all, we do not divide over men as did the church at Corinth because while men proclaim truth, only the Holy Spirit reveals truth. You know, God spoke to my heart about that as I thought about my ministry. I can't reveal truth to you. I can preach truth to you, but only the Holy Spirit can reveal truth to you. Second, we should humble ourselves and pray that the Holy Spirit would give each of us illumination as we read and study the Word, and each time we hear the Word of God taught and preached. Third, we should pray that the Holy Spirit will give our pastors and teachers wisdom and illumination as we proclaim, as we study the Word of God. Uh, the, the Puritans, I understand, would often, as they would study the Word of God, they would cry out, God, more light, more light. And that's what I pray as I study and prepare to preach and teach God's Word to you. Number four, as we share the gospel, we should pray that the Holy Spirit will open the minds of unbelievers to understand the gospel because, dear friend, the most eloquent presentation of the gospel will not convince a person of their need for Christ until and unless the Spirit of God speaks to that person's heart and awakens their soul to their need for Christ and draw them unto, draws them unto himself. Finally, if you're here as an unbeliever today, I want to ask you, do you see your separation from God now and for all eternity unless you repent and believe? I pray that you do, and I pray the Spirit of God will open your eyes and your heart to see your need and that you will respond in repentance and faith to Christ. If you found this message helpful, check us out at lucybaptist.com where you can find other resources or learn more about our church. We hope and pray that this message has helped you grow in your knowledge of God and in your relationship with Him.